Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I am your host, John, and here with me today are Brian. Hey. Alex. Hello. In front of the show, Rick. Hello. And we are still at PAX East 2020. Today was the very last day. We are done. We uh, did all we can do, saw all we could see. Alex, you have a quick disclaimer you want to run by everybody? Yes, these are coming out very close together, so if you're coming to this before you hear our day one and two recap, please go back and download that first. And also, I did a brief interview with Andrew Schuldice of Finji, of Tunic, the creator of Tunic, uh, which is a game being published by Finji. Please go check that out as well. And uh, yeah, that's all I have Finji to say. Finji are some of our Midwest homies. Yes. We're we're gonna be better friends. With it's them. A, it's it's one sided friendship. Yeah, we're right gonna, now. but we're gonna try and be better friends with them. We're gonna tell it's them like a, we want to be friends. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, so day three, uh, Rick's entire memory's been erased by old fashions. So <laughs> I will go ahead. Clean slate. And, clean slate. Yeah, he's he's fresh, <laughs> fresh and so clean. It's only it's like he only went to two days. Um, <laughs> we started off day three by going to a panel called what's sleep managing work, real life and content creation. Uh, I could have slept through that whole panel. It, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was like a poor choice in balancing my life. Like I felt like I could have done something else. Yeah. I really it resulted in productivity. Was not what I sleep. was expecting it to be. I suppose. I like, think it maybe would have meant more to me if there were people that I knew on the panel. Yeah, I we, can see it's that. Not like we knew the streamers and podcasters that were on there. Like if if I knew it was somebody that like, uh, you know, John and I went to that gaming after kids one, and there was a dude on there who has like two jobs and does all kinds of, like several people on there. Like, yeah, I I'm a parent. I do three jobs, and this is the stuff that I do on the side. I want to hear how he manages his life. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, not, like not the, say, the one dude who worked for uh, Destructoid, and he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I have kids and a family, and like I do all this freelance work and all this other stuff, and I work for Destructoid, and on top of it, like I know I can't afford to buy games anymore, so I just rent them. Yeah. Like that, like that was more informative in in his like base presentation of who he was than th- this entire panel was. But yeah, that other one, like I just felt like. Um they strayed from the topic too much and they yeah. didn't like yeah. really offer the information that I thought was advertised like pre panel. Yes. And yeah, that was my issue with it. I mean, they were, they were fine at what they were doing, I guess, but I didn't really get out of it. Anything that I wanted to get out of it. For sure. Uh, next I went to a panel called how to be popular growing an online audience Uh, This was actually like pretty interesting and uh, there were some cool people at this particular, um, this, this particular panel Uh, specifically there was uh, his, his name is slate and he is the marketing manager, uh, social media marketing manager for square Enix. He was there. He's very cool dude. And, uh, Kara Holmes, who is the communications manager for the, uh, the team behind slime rancher. And they had a lot to say about, um, you know, reaching out to different companies and like, you know, not just because you want to work with companies who are helping you as content creators grow. And, you know, they, they made a point of saying like, just, you know, don't hesitate to get a hold of people and ask questions. And, and, you know, it was very similar to a lot of the other panels we went to, but it was nice hearing it from more people to kind of re- reassure us all. And I ended up asking them a question via Twitter um, because I didn't have a chance to do it at the actual Q&A. Uh, let me see if I could pull it up real fast here. Um, Brian's leaning over to fart currently. 
That's wonderful. <sighs> um, yeah, I had asked them, you know, what role does the age of an outlet play in decision in decision making when choosing creators to work with? You know, does the length of time an outlet's been around ever take precedence over their audience reach? And they both were kind enough to respond. And Kara, Kara Holmes said, you know, for me as a developer, it totally depends on my goals with who I'm working with. It can be risky to go with an emerging platform, but sometimes that can be beneficial since it isn't as saturated as other services. And Slate responded and said this, you know, age isn't as important as your community and content. So as long as we're creating good content and we have a community of people to release that content to, it seems like most, you know, developers and marketing specialists will be more than happy to work with us. So yeah. that's great for us to hear. Um, let me see. What else did we do? Anybody have anything you want to jump in with real quick? Um, so Rick and I hung out at the Devolver booth a little bit yesterday. I played a game called Carrion, uh, where you play this like sinewy blob of red viscera that is like overtaking some type of underground lab or something like that. Uh, the more humans you eat, the bigger you grow. And yeah. um, you use your tentacles to, like, rip gates out, and you can, like, dash at, like, wooden planks to break them. And it seemed very, um, it, it's kind of, it's like a side-scroller, essentially, with, like, a very floaty character that can just kind of, like, latch on to everything around it. Um, and it, the weird thing about it was there were some enemies to fight. There's these dudes with flamethrowers that could hit you and you'd have to get into the water before you die and stuff like that. But it was, um, it wasn't super clear on what was the best way to combat those people. But, uh, I don't know. I'm, I might've just missed a tool tip or something. I, I'm is, not really sure. Is that out already or was that just a beta of sorts? I think it's coming this year. Okay. I don't think it's out yet. Uh, and also while we were there, Rick played disc world. Yeah. Disc room. Disc room. Discworld? Yeah, Discworld. Discworld's okay. like a whole IP with like novels and shit. No, I think it's Discworld. Discroom. All right. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> you talk about it. Discroom is uh, a pretty fun pretty fun game. It's like a one screen repetitive um repetitive in the sense that like the iteration of each little round that you play is really quick. You try and Well, let me back up a little bit. You are this it's top down. You're a little person in like a lab coat. And you start off in a room, and there's an objective. It doesn't always tell you the objective up front. Um, but it's a disc room. But it's a room with these discs. The discs appear, and then they start to go in random directions. So the room is not the a disc? The room there's is not a disc. In it's the just room. a square. Okay. Yeah, and there are doors. And once you hit a certain number of objectives, you go to the next room, and there are a new set of objectives. So one of them, it, for instance, is survive in this room for 10 seconds and if you do that you open up one path and then another one might be um get killed by four different types of blades and the way to progress through that is to like take a certain path to go to a different room and then a different room after that and then eventually you like start to unlock different discs that will come out and murder you um but there are also other objectives that you're aiming for simultaneously um these discs by the way are they're saw blades, yes. basically, like spinning around in the room. Yeah, and there are a bunch of different ones. Some so it's are, not saw room, it's disc room. <laughs> it's disc room. It's disc room. Gotcha. Some are, um, some are big, some are small. Some just go around the edge of the room and sweep. That's in what like she said. A, they make sure you can't <laughs> hang out there. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, there are some that um, 
are a little bit a little bit smaller, but kind of hang around for a second and then dash at you. And there are others that kind of like spit a bunch of smaller discs at you. Okay, interesting. And yeah, um, the demo I think was probably around like eight rooms or something. And the variety was pretty, it was pretty cool to see where they were taking it. And then they also gave you a couple glimpses into what future rooms would look like. One of the ones that I thought was pretty compelling was a room that was entirely red. um, With blood. Shrouded in like a, like everything else was just, opaquely it was just black and you couldn't see anything so you saw a little vignette around your character okay and then it started to flash where it would everything would go away for maybe two seconds and then it would come back but meanwhile you're still in one of these rooms with all these discs all these, so these it was cool blades. to see like the different mechanics they were introducing after you started to get the hang of the game that's cool the uh the blurb that's on steam is is part of the lore that you get at the beginning of the demo it said are you ready to get sliced in half the year is 2089, and a giant disc has appeared in orbit of Jupiter. Step into the oversized spacesuit of a brave scientist and explore the sprawling intergalactic slaughterhouse. And the art's really cool. It's like, it's just this kind of like minimalistic, very like, um, you know. I like the logo. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it is really cool. And it's worked on by uh, Terry and Dose One of... Uh, Sludge of Sludge Life fame as well. Like they oh, nice. also have a hand in this game too. Cool. So, um, yeah, it it looked really cool. I think it'd be a lot of fun to play and a lot of challenges. They were doing a thing where if there was there's a particular room where if you could last longer than twenty seconds, they wanted you to take a picture of it and send it to one of their people on Twitter so that they knew it was possible. So, okay. it, I don't think you were gonna win anything. It was mostly just like a challenge to see. If yeah. anybody could do it. I wish we would have seen that before playing. Yeah. I would have totally tried to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead I like went get, to the, the boss of the demo. Get, you, get your done. name in the special special thanks or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. That would have been rad. If it were possible. Yeah. Hey, Brian, why don't you talk about the small game Big World Obsidian Explores their up- upcoming game Grounded panel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, you and I went to that. And yep. It was pretty sweet. Like, um, Obsidian it's a survival game by Obsidian, yes, who made Outer Worlds, uh, yeah, and Fallout New Vegas, and yep. lots of other things, all kinds of good games that we love. This is their first game being made as a studio of Microsoft's, correct? Yes, who hosted the panel? Um, Major Nelson, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even know he was gonna be there. Larry Herb himself. Yeah. He also had his own panel, I think, at some point. Yeah, I think so, too. But I, it was it was cool to see him at this one. I enjoy yeah. seeing him because, like, I have fond memories of, like, the news updates on Xbox 360 and shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just, he's a good speaker and always, always good to see that guy. Um, did but, you salute him? Uh, no, I didn't. Did. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So um we also got free pins there, which were Shit, really I wasn't cool. going to say anything, but that's fine. We got pins. Why not? Well, we have a lot of them. Yeah, I was wanted to surprise everyone. Oh, okay. We got a lot of pins for Grounded. They're pretty cool. They're little um, aphids, because aphids yes. are the main source of food in the game for you as the player. That's cool. Uh, for those who don't know, the game takes place in like a very large yard. It's like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the game. And you get to fight the bugs and things in the backyard. Yeah. Um, what else, What did you like about the, so, the gameplay and things they showed? Well, right? as far as the gameplay goes, like I really like the fact that it 
Like you can seamlessly transition between first and third person. Yes. Which I feel like a lot of those games lock you into one or the other and it's not always comfortable. Um, they're going for like a whole nineties aesthetic. Like there's only four characters that you can pick from or whatever, as far as I know. But, um, like I, you can customize them as far as like armor and stuff goes that, and you, you build armor out of insect parts, which is super cool. And acorns and, and grass. And, yeah. All kinds of shit. Um, a lot of the world is destructible. If yes. it's like nineties based, are there like discarded cups that have that like teal and blue Probably, it's called yeah. jazz the pattern the is jazz, jazz. The, the, cups whole, on them. the whole game takes place in the backyard of a house yeah and that is like your space to explore and they were like they wanted to keep some things a mystery and they wouldn't tell people exactly what you can find back there but there's a lot of like unique um, areas and stuff that you can find. So it's like a cooperative survival. Yeah, game. Yes. you can play single like player the, okay. or cooperative. Um, it reminded us a lot of the forest. Yeah, like mm. the the mechanics of it, as far as building things and stuff goes. Like you can basically you place a blueprint down, and then people can just it it says what you need to add after that, and people can just add to it. And that is like that's like one of my favorite things about the forest. Mm. Other than it's terrifying, that's kind of a favorite thing of mine too. Yeah, that, <laughs> but, that you can map out everything you're, yeah. you want to do it, in it, terms of your base. It's and, very easy to build in that game. It's like straightforward. I feel like most survival games, it's like they give you this absurd checklist of things you need to do, and it's like very opaque and like I hate it. Like survival games get bogged down by their interfaces almost all the time. And like the forest is really good about that. And the uh, like grounded seems to take a lot of the really good things from that game and put it into this in a less terrifying manner. And yeah. Speaking of less terrifying and fun, there are spiders in the game. And one of the things they were explaining is how they understand that there is a massive amount of people who have arachnophobia and are afraid of spiders, <laughs> even on a visual sense, like, and being fake in a video game. So they are implementing you because of the resources they've gained being a part of Microsoft, they're implementing a way to turn off the spiders for select players. <laughs> so you, only, they, only the graphics though, right. like mechanically the spiders still work the same. So like if you're playing a co-op game, like whoever's hosting or whatever maybe wants to see spiders, they see spiders still. And the people that are like that they're playing with that are, have arachnophobia mode engaged, see something different. So, uh, what, yeah. We don't know what they're going to see. No, yet, they though. were explaining they were, they were experimenting <laughs> with like removing like major Nelson's removing face. legs from spiders or like changing the way it <laughs> sounds like worse, removing the number of eyes that they have so that instead of eight eyes or whatever that spiders have, they have fewer and like, you know, maybe just their, you know, two eyes binocular. Yeah, we were going to say we just, they're probably we, googly eyes. Can we uh, can we start a petition to make it Dave Lang? <laughs> <laughs> we can try Dave Lang with his baseball cap I did, on. I did join their discord and they did say that they're actively listening to fans and there were only 99 people in their discord when I joined it. So, all right. well, we'll all four of us are going to join it and lobby to get Dave Lang's face as the spider replacement texture. 
Yeah, that's fine. Um, it was really cool though because they were showing they had clips of the game playing and it were explaining things. And at one point, they showed going into a spider's den and like fighting a spider. And like, you know, you as the player build these little like matchstick spears and you've got matches as torches and like you're building bows and arrows out of twigs and pieces of grass that you've made fiber out of. And one of the cool things they explained was how uh, in crafting games more commonly than not, like you have to, there's like a hierarchy of items that you have to create. So like if you wanted to make a, um, a bow and arrow in a, in a regular crafting game, you would have to find, for instance, we'll, we'll call it like when you do it in the forest, you have to find sticks and you have to find cloth. And then in order to craft them, uh, you might have to turn the cloth into twine first before you can craft it into the bow and arrow. In this case, like if you have the things to make the twine, the game will automatically do them while you're creating the bow and arrow. So it, it completely removes a step and gets rid of some of that clunkiness of crafting menus where you don't have to like... As long as you have the pieces to, the to do it, materials that it'll do it for you. It goes through the intermediate yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. That's cool. Um, and graphically, I mean, it looks great. Some of the other elements they showed off was like there, there is a uh, you know thirst and hunger meter, and in order to get water, you're throwing stones at blades of grass first thing in the morning to get dew drops to fall to the ground that you can then collect and drink. Um, you can build armor out of bugs. You can use the rock. You can make a rock club or a rock hammer rather to break acorns to make acorn armor for your character. Like the whole world just seemed so interactive and. It was literally, I looked at it and I said to Brian, I was like, it looks like if Fallout 76 knew what the fuck they were doing. And it's, again, like this is very similar to what we said about Outer Worlds, where like this is if Bethesda knew what they were doing. Like if they actually could make a good game that didn't crash all the time and have all kinds of buggy bullshit, like that's what this would be. Or that that is what this is, yada yada. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, like Obsidian is doing fucking awesome things, and I'm really excited for this game. I'm really excited to be a part of the Discord. I did get a chance to talk to their social media marketing person, and we exchanged information. So hopefully, we can you know maybe get some exclusive content from them. It is going to be, be cool. entering first uh, early access in uh, like Xbox first access and things like that coming up pretty soon. It will Xbox be part of Game Pass. It will be part of Game Pass. Um, but yeah, this game looks great. It looks awesome. It's it's so. It's not what I expected it to be because I think when they announced that they were working on it, everybody had the perception of it being more of like an exploratory thing and not so much like a crafting survival game. So it's really cool to see what it's become. They did say exploring is a big part of it. And there there's there is a narrative to it. Yes. They wouldn't explain any of the narrative, which is kind of a bummer, yeah. but Yeah. Try yeah, to keep it, it, oh, wraps. it's cool. That reminds me though, the thing I saw yesterday that you guys didn't go to was Outriders. From oh yeah, yeah. People can fly. Published by Square Enix. Um, it is a third-person RPG shooter, like in a sci-fi world. Um, basically, like it takes place. The Outriders are like these exploratory people that they get sent to a planet, like earth is fucked or whatever and so they're sent there to kind of scout it out before other people can colonize it i think is what i understand and um then they get there and like all hell breaks loose and 
most of them die, but a few of the outriders end up in like a cryo sleep for about 30 years and they wake up like completely changed. And, um, you can play it a single player or co-op from what it seems like. And they haven't really, it's kind of, um, unclear to me whether it's like a destiny kind of thing or not, as far as like, like persistently logging into your character and doing shit and whatever. Um, cause they stressed a lot that the narrative part of it is like very important. Like it is first and foremost, a narrative shooter. Yeah. I can't imagine square um, Enix making something that isn't yeah, narrative, but heavy. it is, it definitely is co-op and, um, I mean, visually it looks pretty, pretty damn cool. They yeah. showed a lot of, they showed a bit of gameplay, and I couldn't really tell. It kind of looks like Gears of War mixed with like uh, some of the Division, like and Destiny kind of RPG mechanics, like cool all the weapons and stuff you can find, and uh, loot, like skill tree customization and whatnot. But um, like they did the slideshow of all the different environments, though, and like visually, it's just like stunning, like all the. They they came up with their own new like sci-fi world and I'm curious to see how that turns out but I mean I'm also not 100% sold on it. Yeah. So people can fly did um Bullet Storm. Yeah. Uh Gears of War Judgment actually yeah. as well. They're owned by Epic or they were owned by Epic Epic yeah. Games for a little while. I know I know Bullet Storm has like a kind of a cult following and I enjoyed it. Like I played a bit of it back in the day, but I never owned it. Um, it was pretty cool. It was like, it was creative. It was inventive. Um, for a shooter. Um, but like, uh, gears judgment is kind of considered like the low point of all the gears games. Yeah. Uh, and outriders is, was announced to have a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be out by fall. But it, al- it is also coming for PS4 and Xbox One for those who are not going to make the jump immediately. So. Right and on. Steam. Yeah, it's definitely a sharp-looking game, so I could see it taking advantage of that. Is there any, Rick, do you know, was there anything else that you played yesterday? Do you remember? I, I played um, Skate Story and talked to the developer, Sam, quite a bit about that. That I played cool. Skate Story today, so yeah, we can talk about that game. Yeah. Go ahead. What'd you think? I I thought it was cool as hell. Yeah, same. It's very simple. Uh like you were we were talking about earlier today, you and I, uh that it, it's a very clean and simple um uh what do they call that? A vertical slice. Mm, yeah. Terminology. Aha. We've <laughs> learned so many things this past. Um <laughs> it's a very simple vertical slice, but there were also other things that like weren't ed- like tutorialed tutorialized as you were going through it um it's a it's a skateboarding game where your character is like made of glass or crystal and as you run into cracks and like ledges and things if you don't ollie properly over them or you run into them your character shatters and uh it's very interesting i definitely like i want to it's it was almost like a puzzle game Mm. in a way like traversing the terrain properly and skating your way through the little light portals and things and there was also some weird, like, there's a weird narrative, cosmic right narrative to it yeah. that, like, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> it was super weird, but it's it's intriguing enough to where I'm like, I kind of want to see where this goes. And I was kind of bummed that the the vertical slice was as short as it was. But yeah, Rick, what did you think about it? I thought it was great. Um, I'm intrigued to see where the story goes. Yeah, because it's like the 
I remember reading some stuff about it that was like escape a literal nightmare. And yeah. there's like a blood moon and you're like descending into this weird underworld. Or so, I think that was the language that they used. Something like that. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And you're like trying to touch the moon. But all the while, um, it seemed like the... So the developer, Sam, there's just mainly one person who's working on this, uh, said he's been working on it for like six months. And it seemed pretty far along for that. Um, I liked the ollie mechanics, which were you would hold down, I think, circle for maybe like between a half and three quarters of a second and then let go. Yep. And if you timed it right, as you held it down, there was a little circle with a ball inside of it and the ball would just drop from the top to the bottom. And if you timed it right when it got to the bottom, you'd be able to ollie at your like highest height. There are times where things were a little tight and you had to kind of do some maneuvering and then just ollie up a small little ledge and you didn't want to optimize for that. But it seemed like the mechanics would start to go pretty deep. Um, Sam also said that there were ways that you could do flip tricks and use triggers to like move your feet around in order to scoop the board a little more if you're doing like a shove it or a 360 flip or something. Um, so it seems like it could be pretty complicated in terms of like actually doing. Yeah, like tricks. I could see it having so many different ways of like getting points, quote unquote, like mm-hmm. maneuvering through areas uh, on top of like doing different tricks and things. And then. Uh, you know, like there's one area where you have to basically make it up three different ledges from different angles and yeah. like doing that, timing it properly. Like if there was a time mechanism that was like timing you, so you have to speed through it, then you're constantly going to be pressing X to like keep pushing the board because that's mm-hmm. how you push is by pressing X and you can't just hold it down and go. You've got to like tap it to gain speed. And so I could see there being an element where like you've got to go fast and you have to, you can't take your time. You need to get through this. Like if there's like a chase scene as part of the narrative or something, you've got to like do all kinds of ollies and shit to like, you know, jump over edges. And yeah, it was very, was there a way to mess up the tricks like a normal skateboarding game or was it mostly just kind of like you're on this thing and you do the tricks? I mean, that's, to the mess navigate. up is, is like not, I would assume if you don't land a trick, if that becomes part of the game, you would shatter like or you would knock into a ledge and break into a million pieces and then you start the level over again. Okay. Like it was very rinse and repeat. It's just been respect. a long what? time since I've played like a Tony Hawk game. Yeah. So I, like the context of like being able to quote unquote pull off the trick feels weird to me and I can't really right. feel that in my head without having watched it. Yeah. In the demo there's no real um there's no real expectation one way or another about tricks. The Ollie existed purely as a way to like maneuver up platforms. A navigational like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there were even moments where there'd be branching paths. It's like okay. you could go on this one to the right, but you'd have to slow down quite a bit in order to make the sharp turn and then you can go and then from there you'd have to ollie over a gap otherwise you would you're, you would just ride right off this ledge and then hit the hit the wall um but it was also i'm interested to see where they where he takes it from here like if the tricks do become a part of like the core gameplay i'm yeah. sure they they will have to in some in some regard right um but they don't necessarily need to also I don't know. I'm very interested just to see um, where both the narrative and the gameplay mechanics go from here. Definitely. Um, Brian, what's your shitty comment? <laughs> when and where do you ollie, ollie Oxenfree? I... Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> do you know what an ollie is? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> 
back on those old school banana boards. <laughs> little, slim, little skinny guys with the big fat wheels on them. And Marty McFly had to break the crate off of your board in order to get away from Biff. I don't even know where that saying is that I said, but I've heard it somewhere. <laughs> Holly Oxen for you? It's a children's song, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're like back in the colonial days, you invented it. I think you it. wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been so long that I've forgotten, okay? <laughs> Anyways. All right. The one the, the one thing I liked about the game that made it the demo feel good, too, was that it um, presented itself in like a checkpoint-based manner. Yes. It mm. sort of felt like a first person. Or no, it wasn't first person, but it sort of felt like a third person, syst- like systematically version of like trials or something. Uh, where like okay. yeah. it would introduce a new mechanic. You would You would invariably fuck it up in order to learn but you wouldn't be, like, terribly far back. You'd kind of start, like, right before that. Yeah, thing. like, basically, like, at the end of each sequence, there was this big light door that you go through, and it starts the next sequence. Like, in, and in doing so, like, when you start the next sequence, if you fuck up, it starts you back at the beginning of that sequence. It does. It's not like it's setting you all the way back at the beginning of the whole run. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a very cool experimental thing. You know, I, I definitely want to see where it goes. Yeah, and cool. uh, I got his card. You you talked to Sam quite a bit, and yep. I'm hoping to you know keep in touch with him and and see where it goes, and and see if maybe we can maybe we can get some keys to hand out some friends, you know, yeah, some of our patrons. Yeah, we also talked a little bit about where he works. He works in as part of like a small collective in um, Dumbo in Brooklyn with uh, about like ten other companies. Dumbo, which is actually not far from where I work, so. He said that they occasionally have like play tests and jams and stuff. So that would be sweet. Yeah. Rick reporting from the field. <laughs> <laughs> Why from Brooklyn? Brian, what else did you do yesterday? Got bored and went to the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> was that yesterday? Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, it was. It's <laughs> been every day. <laughs> At some point, anyway. Well, you know, I'm trying to. I was trying to manage my, like, uh, work-life balance, you know, <laughs> yeah. based on the, the panel all, that I went to panels, earlier yeah. in the day. Uh-huh. Got to keep it straightened yeah. out. Work-life and sleep. We went um, to the Red Bull Arcade. It was kind of dumb. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you did that last just last night? Yeah. yeah. We went to it? Fat Babies, too. They gave us, like, they give you, like, five wood tokens on the way in after you sign your life away, and, um... What, did you have to sign a waiver? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What? I don't uh, like yeah, it. I think they're going to use our likeness. In case and all it gets this way too shit. extreme. Yeah. Oh my God. So, there was um, a lot of fine print, and I pretended to read it, but I didn't actually. So they give you five wood tokens. You're supposed to go in there and challenge other people to arcade games for their tokens. And they had games like Street Fighter and uh, like Daytona 500 or whatever yeah. the hell. Pac Man. Uh, uh, air hockey. Uh, uh, dance, dance revolution, and Ridge you could Racer. win. You could win all kinds of Red Bull swag, like a T-shirt, which is what we like. We, we actually just, we just combined <laughs> our tokens and got a T-shirt. Like, yeah, yeah like, and then I gave my five tokens away, and yeah, then awkwardly stepped on someone's foot, backing away from that table. Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that sums up Still the experience of the Red Bull arcade. It was like the separate thing outside of packs that you needed a badge to get into. Um, so yeah, yeah it was whatever. It was yeah, they like did a pop up takeover of the D's Keys Lounge, like piano lounge, which may or may not D's be Keys. in business anymore. I don't know. Not from here. Um I did appreciate 
like that they had some pretty good music playing. Yeah, it, it looked really cool inside. Was, yeah, it was like very cyberpunky and like vaporwave. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was cool. But like the drinks were overpriced. I was expecting to get free Red Bull and I didn't, and that made me sad. And uh That's yeah. the thing. If they were giving out the free Red Bull, they probably would have had more people in there and it would have been a more interesting experience. Yeah, I mean I've gotten free Red Bull going to to see art work in Detroit. And I've gotten free Red Bull just when I used to work at Starbucks and some Red Bull rep just stopped in and gave us a bunch of free Red Bull. I mean, why can't I get free Red Bull at the Red Bull arcade? I don't know. If you want me to like your arcade experience, all you need is a try machine. Specifically, it needs to swivel out and let me go behind it to go to another room. That's all it's got to do. It doesn't have to work. That would have been It doesn't cool. have to plug in. Well, yeah, what if they hid the you bar behind anything. one of the arcade machines? I just want to do that. Let me walk through that door and then start weeping. Like, I'm almost crying about it right now, <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, you definitely don't want to play the Tron arcade game, though, because that one's It's terrible. pretty rough, pretty yeah, bad, but yeah. still. I mean, I still want to buy one, even though it's like thousands of dollars. But And bad. Anyway, they didn't have that at the Red Bull arcade, and I was very disappointed. Yeah. After... Go ahead. My brewery v- reviews, though, Trillium is is really good. Like, the the brewery is, like, a little too uh, Spartan, I guess, for my liking. It's very, it's minimal. Minimal is what I'm looking for. Like, there there's no artwork. It's all very, like, industrial looking. Low but the key. beer is excellent. Like, yeah, you don't get a coaster or a napkin or anything. It's like a glass. You don't even get a glass. Beer. They just pour beer in your mouth. And it's like a, a marble, a faux marble countertop. And like. Here's a, here's a, here's a glass. Wood bag and steel everywhere. Filled with beer. Your beer bag. Here's a Ziploc <laughs> freezer bag. And they cut the corner <laughs> off for you. So you yeah. can just pour it into your mouth. No, no, actually, they give you proper glassware. And they have a lot of beer to offer. That like all around, they're known for like the New England IPA, like, and uh, yeah. Did you just shut my audio off? Yeah, I just you muted you. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was keeping the just screen. Making up. sure it's still recording. Then we yes. went to Harpoon, which I've been there before. That was pretty Harpoon's pretty good. solid. Yeah. Um, uh, for those listening, I started a food Instagram, <laughs> um, and I have my Harpoon beer up on it. I can't remember the fucking name of my it. It was uh, like now. Mike's cannoli style. Chompin underscore Chan. Yeah, Chompin C H O M P I N underscore Chan C H O N. I'll link uh, it in the show notes too. Yeah, I it, go check it out. I, I had the uh, the Mike's pastry cannoli porter. Right? Is that what it was? Yeah. Stout. stout it was a stout. Sir. Mike's pastry cannoli stout from Harpoon, and it was fantastic. Seven point three percent. Uh. Just it was not too sweet, not too bitter. It was it was like a really tasty cold brew. What I learned today nice. on yeah. the tour is that beer was made possible because they can do cool shit that they want to do, like the people brewing there, because the fact that they are forty eight percent employee owned. When the that's cool, the original or like one of whatever the last owner like stepped down many years ago he sold off a lot of the stock to the employees like good for like him. the employees awesome. have stock all that makes of them me like him even more company 
I thought you were going to say something like that yeah. beer was made possible because someone got drunk and put cannoli well, in no. like a vat of I, beer. I, I learned from the tour that that is one of the beers that Fuck, like Mike <laughs> dropped a bunch of cannoli in the vat. <laughs> Which, what are we, what are we going to do with it? Don't well, throw just, it out, Steve. Let's just brew it up. Oh, wait, no. Oh, it's fucking hot. We're going <laughs> to brew it up now. It's that fucking Pringles story. Wait, what's the Pringles story? Uh, where they're like, oh, uh, we got all these tubes. You're supposed to have a bunch of tennis balls delivered, but they brought us potatoes instead. Is this a true story? I don't no, fucking it was, know. It, I think it, it's, it's, a, a it's a Dane Cook joke, is isn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> but shout out Fuck. to that guy at Anchovies. It's either out. Dane Cook <laughs> or Alex Mitch Hedberg. Canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It's, it's either Dane Cook or Mitch Hedberg, but I think it's Dane Cook. I'm sorry. Wow, that's, those are oh, no, completely no, 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 no. I think different. it is Mitch, because I can hear his cadence of, Fuck it. Cut him up. Yeah, no, yeah, you're yeah. right. It it's, is. Yep, it's yeah. Mitch Hedberg. All you're right, not canceled anymore. Yeah. They're in you're not canceled anymore. <laughs> Pour some out for Mitch because they're we love Mitch. They're in different Mitch. leagues of the oh. comedy <gasps> world. Yeah. Shit. Oh. Close, All right. Close call. Fuck it. Uh, Cut him up. By the way, the Midwest Game Rids do not uh, condone any underage drinking. Please don't we drink. We also don't condone Mitch Hedberg. Or, I mean, Dane, Dane Cook. Cook. We yeah, do condone Mitch Hedberg. We love Mitch Hedberg. Dane Cook is not good at any age. Anyway, Dane Cook can eat shit. R.I.P. Dane Cook. Now that we're wildly off track, uh, yeah. video games. Uh, John and I went to the gaming after kids panel mostly because uh, I'm having a kid. Yes, and that's when I, I went and to drink I'm going to make Alex babysit a bunch so I can play <laughs> so, video games. So I will have kids too. <laughs> this was a really good panel uh, because it reassured me that my life isn't over. Don't I hope Megan doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> Well, Not no. that I think my life was going to actually be over, but I know like it, it's already I'm already strapped for time as it is. But it was nice to like hear other people talk about juggling their lives and then also like having kids and then also finding time to play video games. And like the most. um, The best part of the whole panel was hearing them talk about how like now they had a player two kind of thing sort of situation where like they can't wait to share this hobby with their children and that's basically how I feel is I can't wait to where I mean I'm having a daughter and I'm not going to gender things necessarily but I don't know how much she's going to be into video games having a mother who loves to dance and do gymnastics and things like that but hopefully we can find time to enjoy some of my hobbies as well so Rick as a parent have Mm -hmm. you found a way to make sure that your kids don't grow up hating video games uh, I don't think any kids hate video games. I think kids, regardless of you hear about those like those parents that are disappointed that their kids aren't into sports. I oh. was I was thinking like I'm probably gonna have a child someday that like fucking loves football or some shit, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I don't th- I don't think so because well, football is can- on a huge like. Downward slope right now. It's too unsafe for kids. Whether or not it's football, I mean, it could be tennis. Maybe it's squash. I don't know. You could always some sport that Friday night lights. Well, yes, but theoretical child. No, I think like well, the sports thing is different. There's a uh, sports are not as accessible, both like for viewership or for playing. Yeah, to everyone. Like video games have a pretty low barrier to entry. It's Um, getting even lower too with things like Stadia and shit like that. mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so like as as long as the kid has enough dexterity to like pick up a controller and push the buttons, or even um, not, I mean accessibility. Yeah, yeah, totally. Microsoft makes as long that as like sweet the input, accessibility input controllers. Yeah. yeah, are there? Um, I think the kids are like normally pretty delighted by those things because it's like very feedback driven. Mm. 
Definitely. And it just, yeah. I think it, like, on the flip side, I think you have to kind of, like, at least the way, I don't know, everyone's parenting styles are different, but you also have to, like, limit that a bit because yeah. it's kind of, like, the same thing. You can fall prey to the same things that happens when kids watch, like, too much TV mm-hmm. or, like, yeah, at the parenting play on tablets or... Panel, I, th- I think it was the parenting panel, they brought up the idea of, like, the addiction... Yeah. And like making sure the kids weren't getting addicted necessarily, like because some of those receptors uh, fire similarly to addiction. Yeah, like trying, trying to, brain a little to bit. gambling, trying to keep like them that. away from the gambling type yeah. games and like loot boxes and all that bullshit, yeah. predatory crap. Yeah. So like but. for, but for my kids, they both like games. Polly plays like mostly tablet based things. Yeah. Um and they're all like pretty straightforward. They're things that like help touching, her sliding, matching things and Yeah. Well she's at this point it's like mostly around reading okay. and mm-hmm. letters yeah. and drawing and stuff. Um and that is one of the other cool aspects of being a parent is like being able to share your favorite games with your kid. Yeah. Or kids. Um so like some of the cooler moments of like playing games with Oliver have been like imposing that extra constraint of like what is okay to play in front of him yeah. or for him to play because like when he was five I'm not going to show him like Bloodborne or something <laughs> right. even though that's what I was playing when he was like five yeah <laughs> now so like now he's seen me play it he hasn't played it but also just like sharing those experiences you, you've both. been playing Outer Wilds together yeah. I feel like that's a game like if I could get my child interested in Outer Wilds I'd be like okay this kid yeah. is gonna turn out okay totally and so like he like i think his favorite game right now is dead cells and it has been for like a year awesome and prior I, to that was probably splatoon 2 and then prior to that was probably splatoon but there have been other games that like we've played together and it's also been fun to just like find games that i think would be a good fit for us to play for him to watch me or for me to watch him for sure so it's cool it'll be fun yeah man splatoon so good yeah um I think the last thing we did was go to the Let's Rank It panel. Yeah, which if we can, we should try and find that online. I think they said they, they did they video that? I don't know if they videoed that one or not. There's probably a few other ones on there, but it's very funny. That's Dave Lang. Some of the, I have not laughed harder at PAX. Dave Lang of in, uh, uh, Iron Galaxy fame and also lots of Giant Bomb features. He's always quite the staple on his on their E3 streams. Um, General heel of the industry. Yes. Heel of everybody. Large um, heel. Yeah. Uh, he has a panel where they try to stack rank everything. And they have audience members come and propose things to be ranked. And if it's something that is hypothetical or something that they think is dumb, then all of the panelists will boo the person and the person walks <laughs> away in shame. Uh, but otherwise, they take it in good faith and try to put it somewhere on the on the stack. And it was just hilarious. It was so funny. All the shit that they had on that list. There was like Aust- Australian Bizarro Pepsi was one of the things. So he had to explain what that was. And it was like drinking Pepsi through a Tim Tam. Like crystal Australian Pepsi through a Tim Tam cookie. Which ruined the Tim Tam and also ruined, ruined the, the Pepsi. Pepsi. <laughs> because afterwards, they actually tried the Pepsi on its own and really liked it. Yeah. Um, I, one of the ones that I liked that an audience member said was, uh, it was the kid who was like, when you pee so hard to the point of where 
it almost hurts, but it's like relieving or whatever. And like they couldn't quite grasp the concept of what he was trying to. They thought he had like an STD or a UTI. Yeah, yeah, I understood what he was saying. But I knew exactly. Like when he, as soon as he said it, I was like, "Oh my god, I've done that. <laughs> like I've been there." Where like you pee so hard it hurts. Like I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's not like a. <laughs> no, I. Th- it's not. I, let me explain. I think, no, 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 no. We don't need it's to like get into It's like trying to push. I get no, too much fluid yeah, through a straw. Uh-huh, yeah, I got it. It's not. It's no, not a. a it's not a burn. It's not uh-huh. like. It's yeah. nothing like that. It's, a, it's like a. It's a like Bernoulli a, effect problem. Yeah, yes. It, but it's it, a capacity issue. It's because you're pushing too hard. Uh-huh. This kid said this and they were just i feel like they didn't quite he understand chose, he he didn't explain it with much eloquence and therefore they took it as like an std issue yeah and then well and, and then as they were arguing about it he asked if he could go to the bathroom and they said yeah go and so then he goes to go to the bathroom and then instead of actually like taking his time he like came right back in and sat down and they through were like, the same door that he left out of. And they were like, at least come through the door in the back so it looks like you sold the joke, yeah. but you didn't fucking sell the joke. Dave, and like, Dave Lang's like, you just no sold your own fucking joke. This is F tier. Like he put it all the way at the bottom. It was fucking wow. hilarious. It was yeah, good. And that, that one in the comment notes, like yes, like yeah, it was it, funny. Because the thing is that they've been doing one of these at like every packs, and they need to remember what they are like six to eight months later. So there's all kinds of stuff on there that has like extra notes. And there's all kinds of weird misspellings. There were points on the list where it would go like one, two, three, four, three, four, five. And like it was just so fucking funny. Well, and it, then it, part of the list was making lists in Microsoft Word. It was yeah. like one of, one of the things <laughs> yeah, that was right. Probably because he was sitting there typing and like fucking up the numbering. There, and somebody was like, hey, what about this? Yeah. There were so many typos that I basically assumed he was just like making typos on purpose. Oh, yeah. He he, he certainly does not go back to correct things simply for the no. comedy of it. Yeah. But then also like one of them, like they were basically just like, is this list on this list? And then like he was like, yeah, yeah. It's like number it was, 34 it, yeah. in F, F tier. It's like the oh, third man. worst thing wow. on, on the on the whole list. But yeah, it was, it was so funny. Yeah, I was so. going to ask how meta it got, but. Extremely it. meta. It was it was very very yeah, funny. It was it was a good uh, good group of people for that too. They mm-hmm. were all funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was day three. Day four was today. Yes, it was. Um, Rick was incapacitated pretty much all day. He played um, Hungover Simulator 2020. <laughs> it, wasn't played, it? I played Projectile Vomit <laughs> Simulator. <laughs> Try try not to vomit. (laughs) Wasn't it Leap leap Day Old Fashioned Slammer that you played yesterday? That was last night. It was uh, Porcelain Hugger 2020. (laughs) Yes. By FIFA. I don't know why it's by FIFA. I just... (laughs) But anyways... Because it's repetitive. Sorry to air your dirty laundry. No, it's fine. Repetitive and um, uninspired. Like, they just put out the same thing every year, and... That's how the porcelain slammer is. So or porcelain hugger. Yeah, Sorry. why are you still talking? <laughs> <laughs> it totally didn't matter. All right, I was explaining your no, FIFA no, you joke. Sold, you sold the joke. It was good. I love it. It was great. Uh, I played a game called Ghost Runner, and it was by um, shit. What was the company name? It's not. I got it. Don't worry about it. Keep talking. Uh, it, it is a first-person wall running cyberpunk ninja game 
and it is pretty fucking cool. Um, you basically start the game with the vo- this voice in your head, and you're being chased uh, in a you know far off sci fi futuristic cityscape sort of thing. I think it's actually a prison. Now that I think about it, um, all in games, are all in games, like yeah. a real prison or a mind prison. It was a real prison. You got this voice in your head saying you need to come and let me out or something like that, and you. Basically, it starts teaching you the mechanics. You know, uh, WASD was your movement keys, and then you learn how to jump using space bar, and then you learn how to dash using the left shift button. And it, the dash is actually just a tap of the left shift. And if you run at a wall, you can run the wall. You don't actually have to touch anything other than your forward button to do it. Um, and then they start introducing enemies and the enemies all have guns. You have a sword. That is it. You have no other projectile. So you're being shot at. It's a one hit kill. So no matter what, if you get hit by the bullet, you're dead. You start the thing over. Um, and the, there's a, a, a mechanic where when you hold down the dash button, the left shift, it actually kind of freezes time or slows it down. And then you are allowed to strife left or right using the, the A and the Strafe. D key. Strafe, strife, strife, whatever. Who cares, man? Jesus Christ, fucking grammar Nazi. Um, oh. <laughs> and and uh, I got to a point where I was in a room that had it was it wasn't it was like a, a very large square area that had various platforms, uh, vertical platforms that I could then run on, and there were four enemies on different platforms, and. I, you know, I'm running up a wall and sliding down a ramp and then jumping up and dashing and freezing time and dashing out of the way and then jumping uh, towards the enemy and slicing it with the sword, all the while trying to dodge the bullets of the other three enemies that are shooting at me. And you're meant, you can't leave this area until you kill all of the enemies in the room. So it's meant to be done very quickly and precisely and so you kind of have to learn how to manipulate those controls to do that and and I I think it was uh the only downside to this whole experience was the fact that I was standing up for it and my wrists were in a very odd position to be using a mouse and keyboard and I my hands started cramping up and I was losing uh feeling in my in my pinkies and and uh in my ring finger on both hands because of the positioning that my wrists were in it was awful you're too old for this shit yeah that carpal tunnel setting in man uh so I picked up the controller that they had sitting there and tried and at that point I had just learned I I had the uh the muscle memory of using the keys and so the controller really wasn't doing it for me and i think if the if they can actually map the controls differently to feel more fluid that would definitely help this game uh, regardless the game is really fucking cool and i can't wait for it to come out cuz i wanted to play more of it and the story seemed really cool and the setting was just sweet but yeah it was it was rad it was a lot of fun um i got some some cool uh goodies from those guys to give to our patrons um along with some some of those uh, grounded pins that we got, too. So, yeah, um, that game was rad. I'm really happy I tried that out and actually waited in line for it. That was the longest wait that I had today was was waiting to play that. How so, long was it? Um, I want to say, let's see, how long did you wait in line with me? Maybe maybe five, five, five to ten minutes. Max. And then I think it was maybe another five to ten minutes before I got on. Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it moved really quickly, so... Well, that's weird. Like every line I tried to s- stand in, like didn't move at all, and I would stand for maybe about five minutes. So I ended up not playing f- anything. You got to wait more than that's, five minutes, dude. I was there for like sixty whole seconds, and that shit didn't move. I was like, "Fuck this!" 
That's how lines work. It didn't even move a millimeter. <laughs> no, if it doesn't move within five minutes, I'm not going to stand it. Anymore. I mean, the thing is, we got in the line as it was moving. But I, I was just kind of like, well, if John's going to see this, maybe I should go see something well, else. So. I didn't see any lines move at all. The thing is, like, a lot of the other games that I, I wanted to play had excessively long lines. And I was like, I'm not going to wait for those. This one's short enough. I think I can deal with it. And that the line for Ghost Runner was significantly longer every other day we were there. Yeah. I mean, it was wrapped around the booth before. Yeah. Today it was there was maybe ten people in it when we rolled up to it, so it was it was sweet. I highly recommend checking this game out. Um, I believe it's coming out for everything, minus Switch. So PS4, Xbox, and Steam. So cool. Yeah. Um, Alex, what else did you check out today? Uh, I checked out a game called Recompile, made or published by Dear Villagers. Uh, it's this kind of third person, very pulled back third person view. You're um, unlocking abilities by, like, powering different, uh, like, supplying power to different boxes that open up to give you the abilities. And it's like you're this glitch within a computer, and the computer system's trying to eliminate you. Um, but as you gain the abilities, you get the you get to, like, fight back and, and kill the things that are trying to attack you. And it, it seemed pretty cool, um, but... Uh, uh, it felt a little bit floaty. The it, the polish isn't quite there yet, but I I feel like it's something that I would be interested in. Um, so it might be something that I take a look at a little bit later on. I also played a game called Conquest that Brian talked about uh on our previous episode, and uh, you're just matching the uh, it's actually hiragana. You're trying to match the either consonant or vowel sound from hiragana, Japanese hiragana tiles and you're kind of swapping them around each other to make sure that they are all next to uh, a a kana that they're related to in one of those two ways and it was cool because they had a touchscreen laptop there running the game and you could swap them back and forth that way so it played really well that way and uh, it looked really cool that game's actually coming out March 12th so it's coming out pretty soon Um, I checked out Evolutus at the PM Studios booth. Rick and I watched this game for a while. Yeah, this game looks really cool. Uh, there was nobody playing it at the time, so I just walked up and played it. Once again, hand-drawn kind of side-scroller art. Yeah. Much like uh, the Coma 2 that we talked about previously, but this is a very Blade Runner-y vibe. Uh, a little bit cleaner than that, not quite as dystopian, but um, you're playing this character whose wife has been killed which is you know not great from like a storytelling standpoint but aside from that um, so cliche the like he was killed she was killed by some gangster and you're trying to go after him and get revenge is what it seemed like and uh there were some moments where you'd like you got on a bike and you'd be trying to dash around traffic to you know make it to your next uh place there's also some like combat that you could do like fighting people with this club that you pick up. So it uh, it seemed cool, something to keep an eye on. And then um, I checked out 30XDX, which is a sequel to 20XDX, which is a kind of randomly assembled Mega Man-type game. Um, seemed like a little bit more of the same, nothing too crazy or too different from it. So, But there's co-op now. Well, there actually has been co-op in oh, it. Okay. That's what they told me when I started playing it. I didn't realize that previously. But um, 
But it looks very nice, and they kind of updated the Mega Man-ish aesthetic for it. So that's cool. But um, finally, the other game that I played today is called Maquette. Um, I watched that game. It looked really cool. It was at the Annapurna booth. We love uh, Annapurna. They just announced it this weekend, actually, at PAX. And basically, it's a first-person puzzle game. Um, and the way that it works is you are outside in this world that has like a, um, gazebo at the center of it and there's these buildings around it. And at one point you go into the gazebo and find that there's a model version of the town in there, like a maquette of the town. And, um, is that what that word means? Yeah. So there's a like red block that's blocking your way. And if you go into the maquette, you can pull a small version of the block out and it removes the block from the big version of the world. And then you can also take some items from the big version of the world and put them into the maquette to make them manifest in the big version of the world as well. So it was very cool. I like it a lot. I'm excited for that game to come out, but there's no word on that yet. Um, Just coming out for PC at some point in the future, I think. Nice. Yeah. I got to say, like, I, I went to their booth. I watched a lot of their games for a while. Yeah. Like, I just, I wasn't really in the mood to play things today. Yeah. Or really, I just wasn't in the mood to touch more stuff that everyone's <laughs> been touching for the last four days. Yep. Or wait in lines. And, or wait in lines. But I watched a lot of games. And their games, okay, the, the cards they have yeah. for advertisements for their games are, like, collectible cards yep. they're they're beautiful yep. like their artists are amazing um i grabbed one for a bunch of different games from them but i'm trying to think of which games like actually piqued my interest the maquette looked really cool for sure um if, if I found, found or if found yeah yeah awesome it looks that looks interesting to me uh yeah i don't know about the others <laughs> But yeah, yeah. They, I cool. feel like they had like a Donut County card when we were there last time. They've <sighs> yeah. always had really cool art for yeah. their stuff. So yeah, Kentucky all the cards are cool. I'm just saying those two games. I was curious about actually playing. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I went to any panels today. Did you guys go to any panels? No, I didn't today? do any panels today. Yeah. I I tried to play more games today. Um, I played a game called Cook Serve. Delicious three. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there were one and two, but <laughs> apparently that's the case. It is like a food truck simulator. It also has co-op. Um, and basically what you're doing is in this case, like, uh, you know, I started the tutorial, which has me going to you. You choose a destination and you start driving to that destination. As you're driving to it, you can start prepping certain foods in the truck that I was in, I was prepping pretzels, and there are two different kinds of pretzels. So I prepped some of the normal classic pretzels, and I prepped some German pretzels, and I had those ready to go. And then when I showed up to the location, um, I have to then serve them as tickets, orders come in for those particular things. Um, there's a lot of combination button pressing, holding down triggers, and choosing the right button to press on, on the right-hand side of the controller. Um, it got to a point so where... So in the preparing the pretzels, you're like... you're you're so I'll, let me making you, the pretzel shape. Let me, then, no, 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 not even that. It's, okay. it's simpler than that. Um, but it's the process itself becomes very complex over time. So it starts out where at the very top there are these tabs, and you select the tab you want to choose, and you click 
you click the Y button on the controller, it says, okay, we're going to cook pretzels. And then down at the bottom, it tells you what order of pretzels you should cook. And it'll say either German or classic. So this, in this case, it said classic. So in order to cook a classic pretzel, I had to hold down the left trigger to then fire off a menu on the right-hand side that said that brought up the classic and the German pretzel. And then I had to press the Y button to choose the classic one. If I chose the X button, it would make the German pretzel. So um, then I fire up the classic pretzel. It starts cooking. Okay, so that's one tab. There's eight tabs across the top, I think. There's six or eight. I can't remember exactly. Um, you can prep all of those tabs ahead of time before you show up to the location. And the game will tell you, like, oh, you're arriving at your location. Hurry up and finish what you're doing. Because as soon as you get there, you start getting orders from customers. Those show up on a set of tabs on the left-hand side. And so then you have to select the order from the customer to see what it is. And then the guy who was helping me said, if you want to learn a quick trick, like if you have a bunch of orders on the left-hand side and you have a bunch of uh, pretzels already prepped, if you just flick the right joystick, it'll automatically fill all those orders. And so that's a really quick way to do that. So that was the first round. And then the second round, we're going to a new location. I'm prepping pretzels to fill out the tabs in the top because he said fill up all the tabs in the top with pretzels. Um, and then basically, if you're, if you're using the right stick flick thing to get rid of orders, it'll go through in sequence to remove pretzels from the stock that you have at the top. It, this, it's very complicated, but it was, hmm. it was like... Well, go ahead. I'm just wondering, like, I thought you told me earlier that you prep the shit on your way to the next job. You do. And I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Like, you can't fucking be <laughs> prepping shit in your truck while it's in motion. Yes, because all video games are grounded F- in reality. for realism. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, I'm not going to buy into this. However, they had the most dope pins. They, do, they had some hot dog pins. They <laughs> got hot dogs on them. They're pretty yes. sweet. And I got one for John, thinking I would win him over. And then he had a dozen of them already. And that <laughs> yeah. was really sad. And I was like, John would love this. They're nice pins, too. Um, but anyways, to, <laughs> to show you how complex it ends up getting, uh, the next round that I was going to, I'm prepping pretzels on the way there. And then he said, oh, look, you got a pre-order. So somebody had placed an order for ice cream. Oh, prior. man, I have to deal with mobile orders like yeah. everybody hates. So, so then <laughs> you know, I'm making pretzels, and he's like, all right, so you need to start making uh, cones as well so I started making ice cream cones and pretzels and then when I get to the destination I've got to make a two two mint chocolate chip scoop ice cream cone on top of serving up pretzels to everyone who wants them and then all these other ice cream orders start coming in so I've got to Ugh. prep the cone and then sometimes <laughs> so I'm like holding down left trigger and I'm holding down I'm hitting the X button to like fire up the cone and then you have to hit A to serve it or to like actually cook it and then it's like remembering to do these things in sequence. So you're learning all this muscle memory shit and it becomes super complicated. And at some point there's like different flavors of ice cream that get added to it. So some people want like one scoop of mint chocolate chip and then one scoop of vanilla. And you've got to remember which button press. What is this, a fucking restaurant? Dude, it, it gets super complicated, but you can do it with multiple people too. And like it was, it was really. So I've heard. <laughs> it, yes, it's much, be- it's much better than doing it solo. Um, but yeah, it was very complicated. Many, many men at a time. Very, very cool, uh, interesting <laughs> concept of a game that I I would like to I would like to play it with other people. I I remember seeing Cook Serve Delicious like one or two and being like, oh, no, it's, it's not real. What do you mean? Cook Serve Delicious three? It's no, like there's one a one or two. They don't exist. They do. I they have not seen them. It's so they just don't three exist. because it's do. three words. But anyway. 
Anyway. I, I remember seeing one of those and being like, oh, it's just them trying to do Overcooked. But it sounds like it's a very fundamentally different type of... It's so different. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I'm curious um, to check that out. It sounds like too hectic. Like I'm, I'm getting anxious just you describing how yeah, to play it, it. It got pretty crazy. I'd rather just play Dark Souls, I think. Um, I did get... I, and, and I did play two games that have a very similar mechanic in them, uh, like a timeline in them. The first game I played was called Iron Danger, and it was like a point-and-click, like, well, not point-and-click, but uh, dungeon-crawler style game, third, you know, isometric view, third-person thing, and there is a timeline of heartbeats along the bottom of the screen, and if you get killed by something, for instance, uh, my character fell into a pit, I can then, like... Uh, reverse time using going back in time via the heartbeat yeah. timeline at the bottom. Just like real much, life. Much like uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time or Braid, I think, has a time mechanic, right? Yeah. Any sort of those games. And then I can r- change the sequence of events to move forward. And so like in, in a battle, like if I'm fighting another character, it, it became turn-based because it would pause time and then I could choose the command I was doing, click the enemy I wanted to do it to, and then it would do it, and that would take up one heartbeat. Or it would tell you, like, okay, this movement that you're making is taking up two heartbeats, and then you're going to attack, that sort of thing. And it was really interesting to um, play through the demo. It was a really quick demo um, where you basically just run a big circle and kill a bunch of enemies and get on the ship and go. And I died, I don't even know, I think eight times between two different characters. And it counts up how many times you've died, too, and tells you. Um, but it, it's a, a pretty interesting game. Again, it's called Iron Danger. It comes out on March 25th. You can wishlist it now on Steam. Um, I did get a cool button from them, too. And then the other one that I played that was timeline-based was called Phantom Brigade. And this was a cinematic turn-based mech tactics game. Um, it was some futuristic mech game where... You plan out the route that your mech is going to take, and it creates a timeline at the bottom, and it's in a it's in four second increments, and you can see the future. So you can play into the timeline four seconds to see what the enemy's movement is going to be, and then you line up your mech's movement in line with the enemy, so you can basically trace it, and then program in the sequence of timing you're running and shooting at the same time. Much very different than like your average tactical game where like you make a movement in XCOM, for instance, and then you shoot, or you make a movement and take a secondary action. In this case, you're making movements and actions at the same time. You just have to place them in the timeline properly. So It sounds like kind of uh, Into the Breach-ish. Yeah. It, like if, if you were uh, able to yeah. perform actions as you're, you know, but yes. being able to see where things are coming and kind of planning out the route, like kind of like the most efficient way to attack the scenario. And it, and it was, like I said, they call it cinematic turn-based mech tactics. It was very cinematic. It had the most epic fucking music playing while I'm like blowing shit up and like, every the whole environment is destructible so like the other tanks and mechs are blowing up the houses and buildings in this town that i'm trying to guard and save so that's cool it was it was very cool i I watched some of that graphically it looked really impressive yeah it's very pretty like audio wise it it lives up to that yeah it's very cool good good voice acting um and and just an interesting story in in general um but yeah I, i don't remember what kind of uh timeline it's on when it's coming out but I thought it was kind of funny that I played this game and the um the other one because they had that same very similar yet different mechanic uh you know one of them was you know, more turn based than the other I suppose but yeah um 
very cool. I don't know, Alex, you didn't play anything else? Brian, you didn't play anything else? That's pretty much it? Or? I think that's it. I just watched a bunch of games. I grabbed the cards for them, but uh, yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about? Not really. Okay. Packs, packs wrap up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fun this year. Me too. Um, yeah. I definitely went to more panels this year than last year. I think last year, or not last year, two years ago, I was just in, in like total high school gamer mode where I just wanted to like play all the games or as many as I could. I feel like I definitely played more games last time, but um, I found the panels to be super enjoyable and entertaining and, and, uh, and very educational. So all in all, I had a great time. No, Sony was sad because uh, they had a lot of stuff that I wanted to check out, but ultimately I don't think it harmed the show that much. I was bummed that the Giant Bomb guys uh, weren't here. But ultimately, I, I feel like I still had a pretty good time. I probably went to less panels this year than I did last year. Same. Um, but, you know, I, I still had a great time and, uh, and you know, tried out some new panels, tried out more games. It was it was fun. So, any other thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like um, I got to meet some more great people this time around, too. So, that was sure. cool. It's always nice to be able to like talk to people that you either know of or I guess don't and just meet new people too that are like just minded schmoozing and have similar, with game devs similar interests. Yeah. Yeah. Like I sure. got to meet Dose One and that was like a highlight for me. I've been a big fan of his for a while. So definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Brian, any final thoughts? Um Yeah, I don't know. I just uh felt like I like I didn't spend I, I feel like i spent more time doing things last time but i felt like i spent my time more efficiently this time yeah like i was i went to the panels that i really actually wanted to go to and then spent my time on the floor more efficiently yeah whatever sure. and in boston in general it was a good balance indeed so i didn't get burned out yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank all of our listeners because I think if we didn't really have this podcast, I don't know if I would actually go to PAX. <laughs> like it's, uh, I probably never would have been inspired or wanted, like I've always wanted to go to these sort of gaming conventions and things. And I probably would have just stuck to more of a local one. That's a much smaller scale, but yeah, uh, just thanks to the patrons and, and anybody listening for, uh, liking what we do and, allowing us to continue filling your podcast feed with content that hopefully you enjoy enough to keep listening. So thanks again, Rick, for coming and joining us, man. We really yeah. appreciate it. Love having you. It's been swell. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, but yeah, check out uh, any of the games we, we talked about. Hopefully, I think Alex will probably throw most of them in the show notes or something, post yeah. them up on Twitter. Um, if you are anyone we spoke to at PAX and you we gave you a business card with contact info on it, please get a hold of us. Let us know what you think of the episode. Um, we do appreciate all of you for listening and, uh, yeah, we'll be home with a new episode of the normal show. What next two, two weeks, two weeks from now, two weeks from now. I don't know what we're talking about, but we'll figure that out. Uh, thanks again to Jason K and Gojo for their contributions to the Patreon. Again, mpn.bz slash Patreon for anybody who wants to contribute. Uh, if you do contribute and we do go to another PAX, you will get some of the cool gifts and things that I was able to snag from all these awesome developers that were happy enough to give away some cool swag from for their games so think about that let that sink in you could have cool shit too yeah and uh no bonus episode for patreon this week as of yet unless we i don't know 
find we, ourselves. We have with an idea for one, but we'll wealth probably of time at like do the airport be or something. Delayed. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but we do have that uh, for people who subscribe at five dollars and up. And I may or may not start to change the way some of the Patreon stuff works at some point in the future. So yeah. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody, and we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>